John chapter 4, and I will begin reading with verse number 3. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he went, and he must needs go through Samaria. Strange injection in this particular story, but needful. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, and I want you to listen carefully again to his answer. He said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst again. And everybody said, Amen. Verse number 10, he said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning from the subject, Gifts. God has for us gifts. Everybody say gifts. Gifts that God has for us. Everybody said amen. Smile one more time. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There are times when when I prepare for a service and for a particular message that I feel that I have a pretty good grasp of what it is that I am to speak about. There are times, though, that no matter how long I read and how much I study or how much I pray, I never can seem to get my hands around all that God is trying to say to me in His Scripture. And so it is this morning the more I've looked at this text and I've had it prepared for several days, the more I go back to it, the more I realize I don't understand what I need to understand. 
But it is truly an amazing story. It is, it's an incredible conversation between a very lost woman and a loving God. It is incredible not only because of the conversation, but when you draw into that picture the context of cultural issues that clouded the day and the prejudices that were very strongly felt in that community, it makes the story even more amazing. For why would a Jew speak to a Samaritan? Because the Jews considered Samaritans dogs or they were a lower rung on the social totem pole and they had nothing to do with them. And yet here is this man who is obviously Jewish sitting on her well talking to her about her life. And it is an amazing dialogue of destiny. The woman that he is conversing with, life was very soiled and messed up. It was stained by sin. It was morally bankrupt. There was nothing about her life that was worthy of note. If you look at the pattern of her life, there were repeated failures and it seemed that they were failures in the same area over and over again. She'd been married several times and now she's living with a guy that's not her husband. And so there is this pattern of failure that is noted. Her soul was as empty as her water pot was. And here on the curbside of a well, a conversation took place that changed her life. If there was ever a person that needed a friend, she needed one. She certainly needed one because she could not find one among the women in the city. None of them trusted her. And that is obvious by the fact of where she was. Samaria had its own source of water, it had its own well, but the well that she had come to was a half mile outside the city of Samaria, which tells me she wasn't welcomed at the market pool. She was not a welcome sight by the other women of the community, and so she has to make this half a mile trek outside of town to find water so she could go about her normal duties. So no woman trusted her, and after five husbands, I dare say there weren't very many men in the community that believed that she could keep a commitment either. She was in bad shape. She would not have been a candidate for woman of the year. Amen. You would not have voted on her to be most likely to, to succeed. It seems that the only thing that mattered at this time in this woman's life was survival. I just have to make it. However I can do it, whatever I have to do, whatever adjustments I have to make in my life, I have to make it. And so she had long moved from looking for satisfaction and looking for approval and looking for happiness. She was just trying to get by, simply survive. How many people are there even 
among this congregation this morning that have thrown away the desire for satisfaction or perhaps even approval or happiness and all that we are trying to do is just survive, just get by to get through. And now here by this well, something happens. By this well she had visited so many times, there is now a visitor. She has a rendezvous with destiny. And here in these intimate moments of conversation, when the Lord began to break down the walls in her life and he began to speak to her, he immediately came to her with the gifts that he offered. And they are truly amazing. When you read the story and you understand the implications of what transpired there, when Jesus spoke to her and said, Woman, if you only knew the gift of God that was yours, if you only knew the generosity of God toward you and your life, you would have asked of me, give me drink, give me of that water. And so the very first gift that she embraced on that, that eventful day in her life, she discovered that however messed up her life was and however soiled her life was, that Jesus loved her or he would not be conversing with her. Before she even realized how dirty her life had become and before she realized how mixed up her life was and how out of control it was, she was assured by these words he would have given her. If you had known the gift of God, he offers her a love that is unreserved. Who else, who else would have extended her that kind of credit? Nobody in her community, nobody in her family, but here on the side of the well, there is a conversation and there is a rendezvous with her destiny. And she is introduced to the most wonderful gift that God has ever given to mankind. And that is the love of God. The love of God that surpasses understanding. And it surpasses all of our problems. You see, that is the gospel in its purest sense that God loves me with all of my failures, with all of my mistakes, with all of my shortcomings, with all of my inconsistencies, with all of the accidents of my life. God loves me. Amen. God, what a great gift to be given that God loves me. He loves me without reservation. He loves me without qualification. That's amazing because most of us only love people that have qualified for our love. Those that have met certain expectations in our life and those that have measured up are those that at least have shown us some kind of favor. But before this woman could ever bow a knee and worship him, while she's still arguing with him about religious matters, he loves her. He embraces her with his most powerful gift, and that is the love that is beyond all understanding. You see, it was no accident he was here on that 
morning. It was no accident that he had shown up that day. He was on a divine assignment. He said, I'm coming for that one woman. I must needs go to Samaria. There's somebody in Greater Life Church this morning that needs to hear it again. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how ugly your life might be right now, God loves me. Amen. Amen. God loves me. What an amazing thing to discover that God loves me. It helps me get through the ugliness of life. There's never any divine hesitancy with him. Her condition didn't repulse him. Her failures did not stop him. He just simply said, if you only knew the gift of God, if you knew what I was here to give you and offer you, you would have embraced it. You see, the gospel must have that kind of strength or it's not a gospel at all. Either him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out is true or there's nothing true in this Bible. This is what makes the gospel so amazing is that before I ever have the ability to reciprocate love, he loves me anyway. Amen. And so the great gift of love is given. But that was not all. He had more. He reached into his bag and he pulled out another gift and he gave her. Because in their conversation she soon realized that not only does God love me, but he understands me. He understands me. He knows my history. He knows my story. He knows my background. All of the other people that I've tried to hide from, nothing is hidden from him. The woman's sense of values had been twisted and she had come looking for something that she could carry in a picture. What she really needed was something she could carry in her heart. There was unhappiness and there was misery and there was a sense of being an outcast. But here on the side of the well, Jesus offered her a gift and said, Listen, I understand you. I understand those longings inside of you. I understand what you've been looking for. I understand why they have driven you where you are. And because he does understand, he offers what no one else can offer. And it will last longer than anything else that you can find in the world. And there's nothing else that can match it. Where else can you go to find such satisfaction? Five times she had found the wrong answer. And she's trying to work on the sixth one right now. She doesn't even understand herself. And perhaps she had even given up. And here is this man conversing with her. And there's coming out of him a love she had never felt from another man. It was not a sensual love. It was a love beyond all of that. It was a love that pulled her toward him. And now she finds out not only does he love me, but he understands me. He knows my makeup. He knows what I am. And he knows who I am. I wonder how many people in this building this morning feel like nobody understands you. Nobody understands me. Nobody knows my feelings. Nobody knows my hurt. Nobody knows my distress. Nobody knows 
what's troubling my mind, but he does. He understands it all, and he knows it all. What a wonderful gift to be given that God understands. But he didn't stop there. He reaches into his bag, and he pulls out another gift. And while they're talking, he finds time to give her this third gift and while they're in conversation all of a sudden she realized not only does he love me and not only does he understand me but this is what really amazes me he wants me he wants me not the way other people have wanted me but he wants me in the truest sense of the word before she ever made a confession before she ever faced the squalor of her immoral life, before she ever yielded her bitterness, before she dropped her cynical approach to life and to religion and spiritual things, before she dropped her crutches, before she quit asking what's wrong with the world and started asking what's wrong with me, Jesus reached into the depth of her being with this question. And he said, if you had known the gift of God, then you would have asked. You would have asked. You see, God wants those that nobody else wants. That's what's amazing to me, is that God wants those that nobody else wants. No one wanted her. Others had rejected her. Others had used her, but God wanted her. This is what the gospel means to a misspent life. It's the difference between death and life. It's the difference between lost hope and resurrection of human possibility that God not only understands me, but he wants me. I may have lost respect for myself. I may have lost a sense of values in my life and others may not respect me anymore and failures may be all that I know but in spite of all of my shortcomings God still wants me amen God wants me this morning he wants me he wants me somebody say he wants me he wants me the scripture says in Matthew chapter 20 and about the 11th hour he went out and found others idle in the marketplace. And he said, why stand you here idle all the day long? And their response was, no man wanted us. So what did he do? He said, come on, I want you. You can come and work in my vineyard. You can come to my house. The people that nobody else wants and nobody else wants to have anything to do with. He's the one who reaches out to those. Nobody wanted the dying thief. The Roman government didn't want him. That's why they were hanging him on a cross and putting him to death. They didn't want to have to deal with him anymore. And the Jewish community was tired of dealing with him. But there hanging on a cross, he turned to the Lord and said, Oh, if you would just have mercy and pity on me, remember me when you come into your kingdom and the Lord said today you're going to be with me nobody else may want you but I want you I want you in my kingdom that's what's so wonderful about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he wants me no matter how ugly my life has been he takes those that no one else wants and makes conquerors out of all of them God loves me God understands me God wants me. But this is what really turned her life around. 
is when she discovered this fourth gift. God gives her another chance at life. Another chance. You may have done everything wrong so far and you may have made life a mess, mistakes too many to number. People may not think much of your chance and others have written you off and no one seems to sense your need. But God said, I do. And I want to give you another chance at life. I want to give you an opportunity to start over. I want to give you a chance to begin again. That's got to be one of the greatest privileges that man can ever experience is for God to step into my life, to step into my life with love and with understanding and with compassion and desire, but more than that, to come offering me another opportunity at life. I know you've messed up five times and you're working on your sixth, but I'm going to tell you how you can make it work. I want to tell you how to straighten the mess out. I want to tell you how to get it right from here on. And so God offers to this woman another chance. He generously offers her a change that will change everything. You don't have to keep living that way. You don't have to continue to be that kind of person. Here was someone who was offering her a completely different kind of life than she had ever known. And it was hers. It was all hers. All she had to do was ask for it all she had to do was ask for it it happened in the front of a bank in brazil the city of rio de janeiro a pitiful drunk stretched out on the sidewalk from a night of heavy drinking laid out before everybody to see passerbys carefully avoided stepping on him but no one offered to stop and help him Suddenly, out of nowhere, a little yellow dog appeared. The dog began to jump at the man and yelp at him and bark, licking his face and his hands and pulling on his trousers and his shirt. The crowd began to gather around, fascinated by the efforts of the dog as he worked incessantly to arouse this fallen, drunken man. All alike suppose this is the man's dog. And somebody responded, that's the way dogs are. They're a man's best friend. The dog didn't hear that. He just kept working continually, trying to get the man up. The animal never rested in its efforts to arouse the fallen man. And little by little, the man began to stir and show signs of returning to consciousness. The dog never let up. At each sign, he seemed to be encouraged, and he worked a little harder. He renewed his efforts. He nibbled, he pulled, he nudged, he tugged, he licked, he barked. He jumped on him up and down until finally the drunken man began to stir and sit up. He was trying to get the man on his feet. It was obvious, and he would not stop until finally the man sat up and looked around, and the dog seemed pleased with his efforts, but he wasn't through. He kept pulling, pulling, pulling until the man struggled to his feet. Everyone standing around watching the sight was sure that the little dog would now stick by his master and wait for a command or a direction. But much to their surprise, 
As soon as the little dog had gotten the man on his feet, he turned wagging his tail and went off down the street. It seemed like the dog had shown almost human reasoning to that dog's instinct. It wasn't the thing for a human to be lying in his sins in open public. It wasn't in his instinct for a man made after the image of God to be laying in open view of all that passed by, exposed by the gaze of public. And so the dog did what a dog could do until the man got up and he stayed with it until there were results. He seemed to sense what God has been trying to tell people for a long time. You don't belong down. I didn't make you for the gutter. I didn't make you for that sordid life that you're living. I didn't make you for the sins that you're wallowing in. I made you for something better than that. And there on the side of a well, God reached out into a woman's life and began to pull her back up on her feet. And he offered her another chance at life. What a privilege. God wants to get you and I on our feet too. No matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we've messed up, Jesus looked past all of the brokenness, the harried life that she had lived, a woman that had lost her way. And he said, I love you. I understand you. I want you. Come on, let's get up. Let's start over. God sent me on a mission this morning to remind you of gifts that God still has to give. Amen. He still has gifts that he offers. The great engineer of redemption has made it possible to bridge the gap between man's need and his supply. He simply says, if thou wouldest ask, you don't deserve it. It's nothing that you have done to receive it, but it's my offer, my gift to you. God offers another chance, not because you and I deserve it, but because that's what God does. He's a God of another chance. The question is, will you take it? The offer is here this morning. The offer is before some of you right now. Laying, I can't even describe what some people are laying in right now. If I could pull back the curtain and we could really catch a glimpse of what some people might be living in right now, it would, it would, it would cause your stomach to turn. God said, I don't care how ugly that is. I want somebody to know this morning that I love you. I love you more than anybody else can love you. And I understand you. I know what drove you to that. I know what you were looking for when you went that direction. I know what you were thinking when you made that decision. I understand you. Not only that, but I want you. I came for you. I'm here for you. The only reason I'm at this well right now is you. I came for you. 
I came because I want to get you back up on your feet. I want to help you understand that there's another opportunity for you in life that it's not over with. I don't care how ugly it is and how broken it might be. God can still work it out. Yes, he can. God can still work it out. And so we come this morning, the same gift, the same God. He sits on the curb of our life and he waits for us to come. Let's stand together. And in our coming, we must understand, we must understand above all things that God really does love you. God really does love you.